0: Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. We're glad to have you with us. This week we are joined by Kenson Lamb. Kenson is our Bridgeport location pastor and near south region pastor.
1: Yeah, and we get to dive into Romans 3, 21 to 31 with him and talk about the Trinity, uh, resting and justification and the listener question that has to do with doubt and faith and the Polar Express.
0: <laughs> Great, so let's dive in. I'm Hillary Murphy.
1: And I'm Trevor Lovell.
0: And this is the Pastor's Cut with Kenson Lamb.
1: Kenson, good to have you with us. Great to be here.
0: Kenson, as a Chicago native, can you please tell us your favorite restaurant in the city?
2: Now, uh, with that, I want to be careful because I am born and raised here in Chicago, but specifically on the near south side of Chicago, because oftentimes when you hear Chicago native, you would assume that I would know the north side or the deep south side. I I don't know. Actually, I've never gone there at all, so... (laughs) Uh, so, you can tell me, like, hey, you know, where's a Wrigley Field at? I'm like, I have no idea where that place is at. So, that's just. Yeah. Uh, so, for me, uh, favorite restaurant. So, uh, how about this? I'll share with you my guilty pleasure restaurant, and uh-huh. then I'll share maybe one that's more recommendable. So, my guilty pleasure restaurant is Taco Bell. So, I love Taco oh. Bell, or I love all things American- Americanized Mexican. Oh. And the reason for that isn't so much because the food is so delicious, uh, but it's actually more sentimental that. My dad worked a blue-collar job. He was only off on on Mondays. Mm -hmm. Um, And where we would go every Monday afternoon, uh, right after school, is that he would take us out to an Americanized Mexican restaurant (laughs) to eat. So we would have hard shell tacos, all that. And I I just grew up always connecting that to just... uh, uh, my dad's love so you know so, uh, yeah. so I think so I think there's a lot to it with that so uh, so I do that with my kids now too so we get a oh, lot of nice. we, every time we drive and we mm-hmm. do a road trip we see Taco Bell we'll stop and we'll mm-hmm. uh, you know we'll make sure we get something like that Yeah. Uh, for me favorite restaurant at least locally uh, I would definitely say is a place called Rico Benny's it's right in Bridgeport uh, I grew up going to this place and it's there's no frills to it it's just uh, breaded steak sandwiches you know mm-hmm. thin crust pizza uh, I'm a simple man with simple taste and this place just <laughs> gets a get done for me. So if you guys are ever in the Bridgeport area, that is a place that you want to go. It's it's quintessential Bridgeport food. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up eating that. Yeah. They won some award. Wow. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even agree with it. So I think, uh, I think, <laughs> I, I think, uh, so some Newsweek or something, uh, mm-hmm. a fruit critic said that they had the best sandwich in the world. Your breaded steak. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, yeah, that's I don't a, know that's about a that. Thing. I like it, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. And they, and they literally, Printed a huge like signage on their window, like mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it's like ten by ten. It's massive, yeah. saying that they have the best sandwich in the world. <laughs> no one in the neighborhood believes that, but you know yeah. what I mean. Like you know, you yeah. just ride it for as long as you can. So yeah, that, have you had right. a better good.
0: breaded steak sandwich somewhere? You else? know,
2: I'm just saying, like they said the best sandwich in the world. I'm just like, I'm pretty sure there's better <laughs> sandwiches than this in the world. So that, that's just, I don't know, that, that's just me. That's it's just still, a, your
0: favorite.
1: That is still so, my know. favorite. So yeah, yeah. So, so those are some of my places to, to go eat. Yeah. Man. So, Kenson, this past week, you preached at Bridgeport and South Loop, right? I did, yes. Could you give us a quick recap of your sermon? Yeah, so uh, we did uh, Romans chapter 3,
2: and uh, specifically, we looked at verses 21 to 31. Um, so, my desire in the sermon was just to be able to clearly explain what the righteousness of God meant, um, and in these verses, uh, what was really cool um, is that for the last two months or so, two plus months, uh, it's just been man, just like Paul has just been punching in the face with like, you're all guilty, you're all condemned, you all reject God, you're all idol worshippers, you know, no mm-hmm. one obeys the law, and you're just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, but then in verse twenty one, man, like it, it was it was the but now thing, and mm-hmm. as I studied it, man, it was just it became really um just convicting because. Theologians, commentators, scholars—all really believe that verses twenty-one, twenty-six is probably some of the most precious verses in the mm. entire Bible because all the Gospels right there. So, yeah. uh, so for me in a sermon, I just, uh, I just, I basically just laid out three points. You know, mm-hmm. um, first off, I just talked about um, the source of. God's righteousness, uh, which comes by his grace, that it's something given to us, not something that we earn, but given to us as a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, uh, the grounds for our righteousness, which is the cross. So how, does God, how is God able to give this to us? Um, and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then, and then finally, okay, if Jesus achieved this for us and it's by grace, how then do we receive it? Um, and in the final answers, we receive it by faith, mm-hmm. um, which is just trusting in the work of Jesus Christ. So once again, we play no role in this whatsoever it 's all simply uh, all it's it 's all god 's initiative it 's him being proactive and so forth. and all we have to do is open our hands and and to receive it. Uh, but this is always a challenging thing. Is that um, as easy as it is to say that you know all we have to do is have nothing to receive it? Is mm-hmm. that we're always holding on to something, right? There's always something that we hold on to. We're holding on to our works, you know, to what to what we believe. You know, gives us mm. you know credit before God or other people and and so forth. And it's really hard to let that go and yeah. just truly uh, embrace and receive it. You know, that's why I always find it funny when people say like, "Oh man, I love the word grace." and Sometimes I wonder, like, do you really understand what it means? Because um, the word grace is actually Mm -hmm. incredibly insulting (laughs) because (coughs) because grace, in essence, means that you can't do anything on your own and you need someone else to step in and help out. Mm So, Mm -hmm. you know, people are calling their daughters grace, this and that. I'm like, are you sure you know what you're doing right (laughs) now? Um, But that's, that's in essence, what's going on here. This, This is all an act of grace consistent from Genesis to Revelation and what God does.
1: Yeah.
0: So as you said, there's a lot packed into those yeah. few verses, especially even 21 to 26. Yeah. But I know you certainly did a lot of research that didn't make it into yeah. the final sermon. Can you tell us what got cut?
2: You know, uh, yeah, I actually have a long list of things, but I, I, can, I know I can't share them all. <laughs> uh, but I'll go in and start with this one. Um, the, the one thing that I want to share, but I, I cut, was uh, the idea of uh, cosmic child abuse. Uh, now, what I mean by that is that one of the key words that I focused on in our verses is the word propitiation, uh, which is this idea of God's wrath being satisfied by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, oftentimes when people hear that and hear that the father um, sent forth his son, actually that, that's exactly what the verses say right here, is that, is that God was the one who actually sent forth his son as a propitiation uh, in verse 25. So when you hear that, you're hearing, well, God's the father. Jesus is the son. So basically God is tossing his son to be murdered and crucified and all these horrible things happen to him. And, and they're just like thinking like, man, this is just, that, that just sounds like child abuse. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a very recent development in terms of some of the critique you know towards the gospel. Uh, so I wanted to talk about it, didn't have time to talk about it, but uh, the reason I just wanted to do that was because uh, sometimes, we can lose sight of the idea that this idea of redemption and salvation uh, is, was just God's idea. And then Jesus kind of just unwillingly went along with it. Mm-hmm. That this is something that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three in mm-hmm. unity together stepped into this redemptive plan that it says in scripture with Jesus, that with the joy that was set before him. So this was not mm-hmm. something you know, that Jesus was like, no, Father, don't make me do this. But it was something that he also willingly did too. And what I love about that is, again, it just shows the incredible love uh, of the Godhead, that all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, were all equally committed to this, that the Father sent and the Son willingly went to the cross uh, Mm -hmm. to die. Um, So yeah, so that's
1: something something that got cut, but I really wanted to highlight. Yeah, yeah. And even just thinking about that, I think would you say that there's, there's kind of a misunderstanding of the Trinity, of who our God is yeah. in that critique and in that kind of misunderstanding? That's right. Um, because it's almost looking more so at, like through the lens of polytheism. That's right. That the Father, the Son, Spirit, that they're three different gods with separate wills. That's right. And, uh, and <clears throat> that would open it up for that possibility when that's actually not, that's yeah. not our God.
2: Well, that's exactly it. So people would be like, well, why, why did he send his son? Why didn't God just send himself? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? <laughs> God did send himself because mm-hmm. God, God, the son, Jesus Christ. Uh, now trying to wrap my head around how all that works, I'm not even gonna try to do that. Uh, but again, it's just, uh, it's just, man, that is just all the good news that, that, is, that is packed in there. Mm-hmm. And as even as I was reading these verses, just again, just God's continual proactive initiative mm-hmm. to save us, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, um, yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so what else got cut? Oh, plenty of stuff got cut. Uh-huh. So, and so another thing that got cut as well too uh, was that I wanted to spend time talking about redemption. So that piece got entirely cut from my sermon because it was already at 40 minutes long. Uh, but I wanted to talk about redemption here because it's, it's in our verses and I think it's just another powerful way to talk about um, the consequences of sin and how a debt is owed. And what specifically that got cut that I really wanted to talk about was this idea of the devil's payment. Uh, mm-hmm. What I mean by that is that so often when you hear like "Well, a debt was owed, something had to be paid off, we can think that God was like all right sane mm-hmm. h- how how much how much do I owe you here you know mm-hmm. my son all right here 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 you go let let yeah. me buy him back uh, once again. that is a misconception that I think that people can fall into, and I just wanted to spend the time just to make so absolutely clear yeah. about the glory and power and sovereignty of God, and just to let folks know that we owe nothing to the devil. God owes Mm -hmm. nothing to the devil. That the devil breathes and has any kind of influence only because God allows him to do that. And even Mm -hmm. in that case, God only allows him to do it because it continues to move his glory forward, his kingdom forward, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so, and in addition to that, too, is that people sometimes can think that, well, you know, when everything is said and done in history, God's going to reign in heaven and then Satan's going to reign, you know, down in hell. That's not the case once again. Satan mm-hmm. is not going to be reigning in hell. He's going to be punished with every other sinner in hell. God's going to reign over heaven and hell because God reigns over all. So, mm-hmm. so, I just want to spend some time just reminding folks again mm-hmm. that the debt that is owed is not a debt that's owed to the devil, but it's a debt that our sin incurred because because every sin is an attack towards God. It's a diminishment mm-hmm. of his glory and honor. That is who has to be paid back in that mm-hmm. way. Um, so that was another thing that, that wanted to get cut, but I thought once again, it was just a powerful piece again to talk about the penalty of our sin, but mm-hmm. to also remind again um, the sovereignty of,
1: of our God. <clears throat> There's even something kind of interesting around that point that, um, that I was thinking about through the sermon this weekend, that <clears throat> it seems like when we mess up, It's almost intuitive if we mess up in a relationship and kind of hurt someone, or if we do so uh, in a way where, uh, you know, as a follower of Christ, there's like sin and there's a sense of conviction and that my relationship with God has been uh, kind of hurt by this, that intuitively we want to do something to make it better, right? Mm -hmm. We want to do something to somehow repair the relationship and that there is an understanding that something needs to be done. It's just what we miss is that uh, when it comes to that relationship with God, there really isn't like we're not able to do that. That's right. Um, That's exactly it, yeah. I, yeah,
2: yeah I, I spent time in my sermon just talking about how uh, it says in verse 23, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I shared in my, in my sermon, uh, and this didn't get cut, but I'm sure, anyway. <laughs> That's allowed. Uh, so uh, what I was sharing is that um, that's one that we, we're all going to miss, that if uh, if we can use the language of a, of an archer with bow and arrows, that you have this target, and the target's the glory of God. And all of us in humanity, we have a bow and arrow to try to hit that. The only problem is that this target is on the other side of the world. So there's yeah. no way of hitting it. Now, some of us might get further than others. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Some of us might be more moral, more uh, religious maybe. Uh, we've sinned less, mm-hmm. but we're still going to fall short and, and miss hitting that target, which is the glory of God. And something I shared is that even though that is the case, it doesn't mean that we don't try to get around it. And what I shared is just like with my son, like when he finds something too difficult, um, for example, in, ter- in terms of hitting a target, what does he do? He moves the target closer mm-hmm. so it's easier uh, to hit. <laughs> uh, so to continue with the analogy with the with the archery image, yeah. uh, I shared a, I shared just a funny story about how um like one time a man was going to a, a barn and as he was going to the barn, he noticed that uh, all these targets like had right in the middle of them, the arrow. And he's looking around he's like, wow, whoever's shooting these arrows is doing a fantastic job. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and tells the farmer saying, hey, I don't know who you have in your house, but man, they are incredible. They are hitting the target smack in the middle every single time. And a farmer laughs and says, no, 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 no. It's my little boy. Now, what he does is he has a bow and arrow, and he just flings them all into the barnhouse. And wherever the arrows land, he just draws a circle so right, right around where, where the arrows land. And I just share like how, how that's how we try to handle this lofty demand of meeting God's glory. Mm-hmm. Is that instead of meeting God's standards, we begin to feel like it's our standards that need to be met? Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, as long as I'm not as sinful as this other person. Mm -hmm. I've hit the target. Or if I go to church Mm -hmm. regularly or give regularly, ah, I've hit the target and so forth. Paul says it's so clear. The target is not what you set up. The only one that matters is the glory of God. And no one can hit that. We all fall short. Mm -hmm. None of us can pay God back. None of us can take on the wrath of God. None of us can do that. Um, And and I think that's humanity's problem is that that we just don't get it. Because Mm -hmm. if we did get it, we would all be running to God. Uh, but because mm-hmm. of our pride and self-delusion. You
0: know. Were there other things that got cut?
2: Yeah, actually, yeah. Other things got cut as, as well, too. So something else that got cut uh, as well, too, was this idea of justification as being more uh, than forgiveness. So this got cut. And what I want to talk about is that uh, kind of throughout the sermon, like I think it, like implied uh, was this idea that we're clothed with righteousness. But I want to nuance it just a little bit more is because Sometimes when we think about justification and salvation, we just think of it primarily as forgiveness. Uh, And what we mean by forgiveness is that, you know what, I've committed a wrong, I've sinned against God, and God says, you know what, I'll take the hit upon myself, I will go ahead and bear the punishment. Mm -hmm. And that is great, that is beautiful, that is good news. But that's not justification completely. That's a part of justification. Mm -hmm. But if all we had was forgiveness, forgiveness, Mm. all that would do is basically set you back at neutral with God, Mm. right? That now, like all the sins that I've committed, all right, God, you've forgiven me. I don't, you don't hold it against me. I'm not going to be punished for it. That's great. But then what's after that? Justification is what's after that. That not only are you forgiven and your sins and the penalty and the punishment has been absorbed, but now in justification, you've been clothed with Mm. beauty and value and validation that uh, an illustration that, that I heard used around justification is that, first off, it's not, it's not less than forgiveness, it's more than forgiveness. So it's kind of like someone who's in jail and then uh, you get a pardon and mm-hmm. saying like, hey, you know what, you got a pardon, you can, you're, you're out of jail, you have your freedom. That's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Justification is not only are you pardoned and free, but now they go ahead and invite you to the white house and they give you the highest possible honor the con- congressional yeah. medal of honor and they put it on you so now everywhere you go people are taking pictures with you they're wanting your autograph you know you you're getting all this honor and glory that's justification. So it's not just forgiveness, mm-hmm. but it's also this righteousness that is now clothed upon you. Uh, and that's just the beautiful, a beautiful dynamic of of mm-hmm. the gospel and, and, and what it does. So yeah, that was something else that, that got cut, but I thought it would be a nice thing to highlight and, and nuance if I had the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And in your own life, how have you reminded yourself that you are not just forgiven, but we do have that justification and the righteousness? I feel like sometimes it's really easy to get caught up in things and feel guilty and forget that but as you said it's just a beautiful picture of even the hope that we have so how have you
2: yeah hillary thank you for that question Mm -hmm. so actually for me um the the issue isn't so much forgiveness uh i'm a pretty much pretty much a a goody two shoes uh Mm -hmm. so for me i i I, I actively (laughs) avoid trying to screw things up or hurt and offend people uh, on an Enneagram I'm a peacemaker so I'm always trying to find ways not you're to you're a nine that's yeah I'm trying to nice I'm, I'm really Bless working hard to, not to cross people so I, I work really hard in that way so forgiveness yeah. and, and receiving forgiveness extending forgiveness is, has never been really that difficult I've been mm-hmm. wired that way the justification piece mm-hmm. personally has been very difficult and I share that uh, in big part because of just even my own upbringing so mm. growing up in an immigrant house blue collar parents uh, I grew up with a lot of, um, my parents always saying to me like, hey, you know, why can't you do better in school? Mm-hmm. Uh, why can't you be more like uh, Jimmy or Tommy or Sandy? A- and make, um, they make their parents proud. You know, why can't you make us proud by achieving more in school and getting mm-hmm. better grades? And I know exactly what my parents are doing. This is th- And this is exactly how they were raised. Mm-hmm. It was just to motivate me to say like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't you know, I want to be better. I want to work harder. But when you're eight or nine years old, and you hear like, "Why can't you be more like these mm-hmm. kids?" All I'm hearing is, "You don't. You don't really. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't love me. Like you don't. You don't care about me. You you wish that they were your kids mm-hmm. and not me." And, and that stuff is devastating. Mm-hmm. And I share all that because what justification says is that you are loved, that mm-hmm. you are worthy. Um, so for me, like in terms of how this applies to me is for example, things around uh, rest. It was actually an application in my sermon and it was very personal to me in a sense that if I truly understood the righteousness of God, uh, the striving can stop, you know, the mm-hmm. earning can stop, the impressing of other people can stop because all the worth and value and validation I need is, is already given to me through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, that God already sees me that way but do I believe that? Um, so that was definitely in one way, and a way that I'm always constantly just reminding myself mm-hmm. that, as I'm as I'm always seeking to be a people pleaser, you know, finding approval, finding validation, to be able to ask myself like, you know, am I am I resting? Am I mm-hmm. am I content with what God gives me? And do I see that as being more valuable than anything else? And so often, this is a sin of my heart that I like the idea that God loves me, and that I'm righteous in Christ, but I also want more. And that's that's a a very sinful, uh, wayward heart.
0: Well, as a three on the Enneagram and an achiever, (laughs) I also really resonate with that and the need for rest and recently have really discovered how important that is as well.
1: That's right. Yeah. Well, how has that worked out in your life, Hillary?
0: It's been really great. I went on a vacation recently, and it was the first vacation I was able to take where I wasn't bringing work and I wasn't really connected much with the outside world, and the friend that I went with was continually reminding me the importance of rest, and I found that, and I just had sweet time in the Word and was be able, being able to be reminded of the importance of that and mm. that that is all we need, and I don't need to impress people with my vacation or the work that I'm doing or anything else.
1: Yeah. Okay, so like fully unplugging from work when you take time yes. away. And mm. uh yeah, which probably is not always an easy thing. No, <laughs> Actually, I have a really hard time
2: with that. Um, so when I travel, since you brought that up, um, I don't vacation. I travel. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a difference between the two, right? Vacationing yeah. is unplugging. It's sitting by the beach, reading a book, and mm-hmm. you could basically that's that's your full day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I do not do that um, so if I go anywhere my mentality is like I want to hit up every tourist attraction every <laughs> restaurant that has thousands mm-hmm. of reviews on Yelp and I'm going to hit it I'm going to hit everything and do it all and pack yeah. it all in one day and uh, even then I've got to be like man what is like what is wrong with me right mm-hmm. now you know yeah. what I mean like uh, like my, my son one time just said dad can we just can we just slow down <laughs> a bit because like, I'm running like, like we got to get to the next place like yeah. take a picture of this place like whatever some iconic like location we're like all right, let's move on. You know, let's uh-huh. keep going and not sit there and actually take <laughs> yes. it in. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a very damaged person.
0: so. <laughs> and yeah. that's how I normally travel. And I think that's why this vacation was so special and restful. Um, we were just there for about five days. So I feel like I had time to do most of the tourist attractions, uh-huh. but also then just take an afternoon to go back and relax, read. Got a lot of reading done and I think I brought like three books with me. So to just be able to have that time to really focus and not run from thing to thing.
2: Good for you. Good for you.
0: So we have a listener question this week. Yes. And this week we learned a lot about righteousness and how we are saved by faith and not our works. So as a person of faith, how do I handle my doubts?
2: Yeah, great question. Um, So this actually got cut from my sermon as well. Uh, But something (laughs) if I had time and I wanted to talk about was kind of how we can fall into this uh, false practice or false belief that is my faith that saves me. Um, so Paul goes out of his way here to talk about by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. That 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 is how we get how how we have means to this righteousness uh, of God. So we let go of works. We let go of the the, re- the religious demands. We we let go of like you know these these lists of things. But what we can end up doing as Christ followers is unknowingly now believing that it's the strength of my faith that saves me, that by how Mm. strong my faith is, that's Mm. what justifies me before God. The problem with that is that now you've just exchanged one kind of work for another Mm. kind of work. You know, this is why Jesus teaches that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move the mountain. The point here is not the faith. Jesus actually uses the smallest seed known during the time to tell you that your faith is inconsequential what moves the mountain is the object of your faith, which mm-hmm. is God himself. So it's not mm-hmm. about your faith being great and so forth, but it's about who you believe in, right? And that, can, and that happens, and that's true about all things. You know what I mean? Yeah. For, so for example, like if I have faith in the chair that I'm sitting in right now will hold me up. I can have great faith, but if the chair is weak, I'm going to fall, but mm. if I even have a little bit of faith in it, but the chair is strong, it doesn't matter. Once mm. I sit on it, it will always hold me up all day, every day. And that's exactly how mm. faith is supposed to be. And when Paul talks about by faith, he's actually actually contrasting it to the works, like to the mm. works of the law. So he's saying that that's the opposite. And what faith is, is a humble posture of receiving. Now, I say all that to answer your question, because if you believe that it's your faith that saves you, doubt will destroy you. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that once doubt kicks in or once you start to feel like, "Oh, like I'm starting to have these questions about God and I'm not sure." Next thing you, the next progression of thinking is, "Then I must not be saved." Then I must not be secure in Christ. And then that creates all kinds of anxiety and worry. Uh, If I can use an illustration here, uh, if you've ever been to the airport like Midway or Mm O'Hare, there's a difference between those who actually have a seat on the plane and those who are on standby. That when you have a seat on the plane, what are you doing? You're sitting there, you're drinking your coffee, you're reading the newspaper, you're, you're napping, whatever. You're, you're totally comfortable <laughs> yeah. because, you know, in about however half an hour you're going to be sitting on the plane, a seat is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. That is our security in Christ. But if you believe, once again, that your salvation is based on you, you're on standby. And, and what do people do when they're on standby? They're pacing back and forth. Mm-hmm. They're worried. You know? they're, they're anxious. Am I actually going to get a seat? Am I going to have to wait another like, half day to get on a plane? It's just constant anxiety and worry. So, so what I would say is that uh, if you're wrestling with doubt, a question that you want to ask yourself is, what is this doubt doing to you? Mm-hmm. If this doubt is putting in your heart this incredible sense of anxiety, crushing anxiety, worry about where you stand uh, with God, This is where I would say that you have to repent, that that is a faith that you have now idolized, that again, that you've now made that into uh, the law of works, but now it's just disguised as faith. Mm -hmm. However, if this is a doubt, which is a genuine, like, you know, I just don't know how God does this. I'm not sure what's happening here, but a doubt that doesn't make you anxious, but a doubt that makes you hungry to grow in your faith. I want to say all day, every day, That is fantastic, that is awesome. Seek that out. You know, I believe that when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Mm -hmm. all truth leads to him, so pursue that, uh, go Mm -hmm. after that. Um, Doubt, I believe, is a very healthy thing, and I think that all believers, in some degree or another, should be wrestling with some level of doubt. Mm -hmm. If a believer says, I have no doubt whatsoever, I'm just not sure if you've either spent enough time thinking through your faith, (laughs) because it is a faith, so not everything is answered. Uh, but to also just understand that 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 we're limited as as human yeah. beings, we, we're just not going to know everything. Mm-hmm. So I actually, I actually think that's an incredibly great thing because it makes you seek, it makes mm-hmm. you long for for for, for God's word and, and and to pursue after it. So that's mm-hmm. how I would answer it. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. Even on the since we're sliding into Christmas here, <laughs> if you'll forgive me, because Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet, <laughs> <laughs> the Polar Express, uh, that movie. <laughs> A big theme of it is faith and doubt. Not not so much about Christianity and Jesus, but more so about Santa and Christmas yeah, and all Nick, that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but um, but on the train, right? The the guy, the conductor, kind of represents faith, the spirit of faith. And then when the kid's up on top of the train, uh, the kind of the guy up on top who's drinking coffee instead of hot chocolate, he represents doubt, mm-hmm. um, and he's calling the kid out on his doubts. But it's sort of the kid's interaction with both of them that actually. Uh, helps him throughout the story. That's right. Actually, yeah.
2: it also makes me think about uh, the movie Elf with Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's the very issue because Santa
1: Claus doesn't have power on his
2: sled because uh-huh. no one has any faith or whatever. No one uh-huh. believes or uh, so, I don't know if it's Elf or some other movie, but you know, but the, all the movies are the same way.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: they <But> are. <laughs> they all kind of share the same narrative. But what is interesting about that too is that uh, it makes it makes uh, the the God figure uh-huh. in some ways. Weak because it's like well they're dependent on our faith they need to be oh, yeah. fed our mm-hmm. faith which I actually think ties to Greek mythology because that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of how the Greek gods were like they they needed our faith and worship to continue mm-hmm. to have strength and power um, that is not our God uh, our God yeah. does not need mm-hmm. any of that from us he is not weak insufficient in any way whatsoever yeah um, so yeah so that's a great point yeah no that's great great insight mm-hmm. I'll I'll save that for the Advent
1: sermon yeah I'll, I'll, I'll roll that out <laughs> for that. Uh huh. All right. Kenson, it's been great having you with us. Yes, great thanks, to Kenson. be here. This is fun. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us for the Pastor's Cut. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, we will move into Romans chapter four, and we are coming to an end of season two with only two episodes left and the Christmas season upon us. We hope you'll join us again next week.